Welcome to a new episode of the Good Faith Idea Exchange. For today's episode, I am sitting down with Dr. Pooja Agarwal. And uh, Dr. Agarwal is a board-certified neuro- neurologist and epileptologist. Um, she's also an expert on burnout and um, dealing with uh, burnout, especially you know, especially, you know, among working professionals, uh, you know, your average American leading a crazy busy lifestyle and trying to balance, you know, work with, you know, say school or school and work with family, you know, I, I think everyone listening, we all know the struggle. Well, we are going to talk some neurology. We are going to talk about um, some neuro, neuro, neurological disorders. We're going to talk seizures. We're going to talk about, you know, we're, we're going to get into a lot of some, some heavy stuff, but uh, we're also going to talk burnout and uh, what the doctor is doing to help people uh, better manage their lives. So let's get to it. First, first doctor, could you please uh, tell me a little bit about your background and, um, what first interested you in neuroscience? Okay, so I remember back to when I was in my first year of medical school. I always knew I wanted to be a doctor from when I was in high school, but I didn't really know that I wanted to, to do neurology until my first year of medical school. And this may be for a little bit, for some people, too difficult to hear, but I had neuroscience class or neuroanatomy, and we had to dissect the brain. And, you know, these were actual human brains that had been donated to science for us to learn in medicine. And we always have utmost respect for people who have donated their bodies for, for us to learn. And, you know, these brains, we had to dissect them and we had to really learn the intricate pathways of the brain. Pathways that control, go from our brains down into our muscles, down to our nerves, you know, that control pain, temperature, movement, learning all those pathways and learning how if one path, part of the pathway is affected or there's some pathology or some disease that's affecting it, then this is what happens on their physical exam. They, this is how they present. I developed such a liking or inclination for the brain and the spinal cord and nerves that from then on, I was like, I need to do neurology. Hmm. And it was really the first year of medical school in neuroscience class, neuroanatomy. Interesting. Okay. That's cool. That's very cool. Um, so now, what is the role of a neurologist, and, and what exactly does a neurologist treat? Okay, so the role of a neurologist could be very different for different people. So you could be a neurologist in clinical practice. That means seeing patients. Um, that could be either inpatient or outpatient. And when I say inpatient, that means in the hospital. Outpatient means seeing a, a neurologist in their clinic. So that could be, um, they see so many different neurological conditions, migraines, Parkinson's, Alzheimer's multiple sclerosis. Neurologists see people for spinal stenosis or for the um, nerves in the back um, of the, in the low back kind of become entrapped and, or it could be sciatica. I mean, there's a whole host of different things that neurologists treat. And those are just some of the main ones. Wow. Wow. Okay. Yeah. I think uh, just what you listed there covers quite a few people. I remember when my grandfather had sciatica on his lower back. This is definitely very important work. Um, what are some common neurological disorders, you know, in, in, in today's world? And, 
I guess also just as important, how are they often treated? I know you named a few, but are there any others you can think of? Yes, other neurological conditions could be um, seizures or epilepsy. Um, there are there's something called myasthenia gravis or stroke. I mean, stroke is a big um, thing right now. There is, you know, with a stroke that can really change your life. You could have not be able to move one side of the body or be able to speak. So that that's very important. Um, and, you know, it depends upon the disease in terms of the treatment. There's lots of different treatments for MS or multiple sclerosis or for you know, back pain or nerve pain. And so it just really depends upon the, the diagnosis. But there's a lot of things out there for treatment for neurological conditions. Gotcha. Now, you now you just mentioned um, stroke. What exactly happens when someone has a stroke? And are there things we can do now to prevent this? Yeah, so stroke usually happens where you have a blood vessel in the brain that becomes blocked by either a clot of plaque or a blood clot. And when you have that blockage, then blood cannot go through that artery. And then part of the brain doesn't get that oxygenation that it needs. And so time is of the essence when you have a stroke. Um, and what I mean by that is when you're having stroke-like symptoms, you need to get to a host- hospital. Because, you know, there are certain treatments that people can give within the first few hours of onset of a stroke, something called TPA, it's called tissue plasminogen activator, that can help break up that clot to restore that blood flow to that part of the brain. And a stroke can manifest in several different ways. It could be slurred speech, facial droops, weakness on one side, numbness on one side. But there's so many different things that can manifest as a stroke. And things that we can do to reduce our risk of stroke include exercise. You know, exercise is so important for overall health, but also to reduce reduce our risk of stroke. Mm. Eating healthy and eating lean meats, whole grains, fruits, and vegetables is very important to help reduce your risk of stroke. And, you know, if you have diabetes, controlling your blood sugars, keeping that under control. If you have high blood pressure, keeping your blood pressure under control, take your medications as prescribed. And if you don't have those things, like I mentioned, exercise, eating healthy, having a good mindset. And if you have, you know, even mental health is important. If you have anxiety or depression, getting help from all that can help reduce your risk first. Gotcha. Gotcha. Now you also mentioned migraines. A good friend of mine suffers from migraines. I think she's had them for the majority of her life actually, but uh, you know, what can you tell me about migraines and, you know, how prevalent are there, are they in our society and and also, is there any advice you might have for her in terms of dealing with migraines? Yeah, so migraines are caused by pathways and there's a few different theories. So one is something called a trigeminal nerve. It's a nerve that supplies part of the head and the face, the feeling there. And one theory is, is that that activation of that pathway or that nerve causes migraines. Um, some other theories include that, you know, blood vessels in the brain, when they're not getting great blood flow, when they're what we call constricting, can also contribute to migraines. So it's that pain that manifests from that. Now, people who have a family history of migraines, um, like parents, siblings, are more likely to have migraines. And in terms of migraines, they can vary. They could be something that somebody has once a month or every day. It really depends. And there are things you can do to get help for migraines. So one is see your neurologist or see your primary care doctor. That's important if you're having migraines that that are happening more often or more frequently or they're hurting more. It's very important to get that help. And things that you can do is, you know, there are lifestyle changes you can make. Exercise can reduce your risk of um, getting migraines, eating healthy, getting a good night's sleep, 
decreasing your stress. Um, and you could do that by meditation, journaling. And another thing you can do is drink plenty of water. So all of those things can help your friend with um, reducing her frequency of migraines. Interesting. Okay. Okay. Thank you. Thank you for that. Um, now, in general, are there are there any main warning signs that you should see a neurologist? Um, yeah, I mean, so definitely if you're having stroke-like symptoms and what I mentioned earlier, if you can't speak, you're having difficulty getting out your words, you notice that one side of your face is drooping down, you can't move one arm and a leg or even just one arm or one leg, and you are having those things you need to definitely get to a hospital. You need to get to, because the concern there is for stroke or if you're having numbness on one side. Um, so those are things you definitely need to get the, to the hospital for to get evaluated. And the other things that you could see a neurologist for, but again, are not as of, like, of an emergency or if your headaches get worse and you know they're, or they're unbearable at that point, then you do need to go to the hospital. But again, if your headaches or migraines are increasing in frequency, then um, you could see a neurologist as an outpatient if it's not a severe headache. Um, so, I mean, there's several different symptoms you can see a neurologist for, but those are the main ones. Gotcha. Gotcha. Okay. And, um, you, you know, I, I know you're also an epileptologist. Uh, what made you want to focus on epilepsy? Yeah. So, um, again, for those out there, epileptologist is an epilepsy doctor for seizures or for seizure patients. And so I, didn't know that I really wanted to do an epilepsy fellowship or training in that um, beyond my neurology residency until I think I was in my fourth year of residency at Ohio State University. And um, I really loved reading something called EEGs. That's an acronym for something called electroencephalogram or our brain waves. And I really liked looking at EEGs, reading them, and then matching that with the way patients' seizures were. And so based upon where the um, seizure is happening in the brain, you can match that to where, what kind of seizure they're having. And so that's really where my love developed for treating epilepsy patients and, you know, matching those two, the brain waves and then their seizures and the way, what they're telling me in terms of what's happening with their seizures. I, I love doing that and reading those EEGs. I can do that all day. Wow. All right. It sounds like you're a natural at this. Like this is the kind of thing that you naturally enjoy doing. That's, that's pretty, it's pretty awesome. Now, speaking of epilepsy, if you're alone with someone, you know, maybe you're with, maybe you're with your spouse or a parent or a friend and they suddenly begin having a seizure, what are some important things to be mindful of? And, and what are some important things you can do immediately? So what you need to do is, first of all, one thing I think there's a mis- conception out there that you should try to uh, that somebody can swallow their tongue if they're having the seizure that's not true so don't put your hand down their mouth or try try to do something like that what you can do right away is start cpr if people are they don't have a pulse they're not breathing and they're having a seizure you can start chest compressions and that can really help save a life if you have somebody else around you or if once you are able to get to a phone call a phone call ems get that person you know whether it be your spouse significant other, child, you know, parent, get them to a hospital. They need to be seen to figure out why they're having a seizure or having new seizures. Okay. Okay. That, that's very good information. Um, I think that's definitely a pretty well-spread thing as far as the whole, you know, they could swallow their tongue, you know, try and 
you know, put something, give them, give them something to bite on or whatever. I've, I've definitely heard that before. Thank you for, you know, setting the record straight on that. Now, now this next, now this next question that I have for you, um, this is something I kind of relate to as well. Uh, cause I've definitely experienced this as well, but what would you define as burnout and what made you want to help people suffering from it? Yeah. So burnout is my passion. I love to coach people on it. Burnout is defined um, as the World Health Organization as chronic workplace stress that is not managed well. However, I define burnout a little bit different. I define burnout as chronic stress that is not managed well. And that stress could be from being a caregiver, being a mother. It could be from work. It could be from any situation. It could be from being in a relationship that's causing burnout. And so that chronic stress can develop from any aspect of your life to cause burnout. And so burnout is a passion for me because I myself experienced burnout about five years ago as a practicing physician where I was not taking care of myself. I was irritable. I was working long hours. I was giving everything at work and not much at home. And I was losing who I was. I was changing at the core. And coaching helped change my life with my mindset, making me more self-aware and practicing self-care that now I want to help other people know that burnout is something you can overcome. You can change your life with coaching and I can help, help you realize that you're not alone and help you do that. Gotcha. Gotcha. Can you tell me a little more about uh, Zenful Brain? And uh, when did you decide that you wanted to help build your own organization to help other female professionals dealing with burnout? Yeah. So, you know, last year um, in, during the pandemic, you know, I think we were about one year into it last year, I had had coaching before, and then I kind of had this epiphany where I'm like, well, I've had coaching. It really helped me. I want to help other female professionals know that they're not alone. So I went and I got certified at the life coach school to become a, a life coach. And then, like I said, I decided, I decided to specialize. I have a niche in being a certified burnout and stress reduction coach because I had been there and experienced that. And I wanted to help other female professionals. And so out came Zenful Brain in August of 2021. And Zenful Brain, because I help my clients to increase Zen in their life. And really the brain, because I'm a neurologist, I'm a neuroscientist, and I use neurosci a neuroscience-based approach in my coaching with my clients. So that's how that name came about. And now I offer one-on-one -on -one coaching, group coaching with helping my clients to make themselves a priority, build their self-confidence, increase their self-love, their self-compassion, and to make self-care a priority in the form of better nutrition, better sleep, and being able to set boundaries. Gotcha. Gotcha. Now, see, I, I, for me, I kind of totally feel like I relate to this as well because. Um, you know, up until very, very recently, my typical schedule was, you know, I, I worked full time as an engineer. Um, then I would go to school full time, you know, um, at the University of Rhode Island, I uh, full time student as well. Then I would um, then I do this podcast. Then there's, um, you know, books that I'm writing, uh, manuscript I just finished and so many different different things that I have going on, and um, you know, for there was definitely a, a time where I was. I, I feel like I was definitely experiencing that, and um, you know, I had to figure out 
uh, I definitely had to figure out ways to better manage uh, how I was dealing with everything. Um, otherwise, it was going to be that, that was pretty. Uh, otherwise, I you know my my health could be sacrificed, and you know I couldn't have that. But um, I totally understand you know where you're coming from with this, and um, I have to say I really applaud you for what you're doing, Doctor. This is really. This is definitely something that really needs to be addressed. But, um, you know, anyway, are there any other special initiatives you have underway that you'd like to mention? Yeah, so um, right now I'm working, um, I live in Orlando, Florida, but I'm working with a friend to increase um, awareness of burnout, mental health, and how it's so important that we take care of ourselves, including our mental health, and that, you know, pushing that under the rug it doesn't help you. It makes things worse. And so if you have anxiety, depression, or you feel like you need support, whether it be counseling, um, senior doctor, for some people, it could be coaching if you have a lot of stress, but really get the help that you need. And right now, just increasing that self-awareness, we're going to do a, an event in Orlando, Florida in person. And so I'm excited about that. I don't have dates on that yet, but that'll come in the next, hopefully, um, few months. Cool. Cool. That sounds great. Um, that sounds great. And um, what uh, also, uh, is there a specific website, uh, maybe a web address that you'd like to put out or anything for Zenful Brain or anything like that? Yeah. So you can actually find me on my website. It's www.zenfulbrain.com. That's Z-E-N-F-U-L-B-R-A-I-N.com. And on there, you can find all about me. I have my own podcast there and you can schedule a strategy session with me absolutely free uh, if you want to see what coaching is all about gotcha gotcha all right that sounds excellent that sounds excellent well um that's pretty much all i had for you doctor i want to thank you so much for taking the time to sit down with me today this is this has been great thank you so much for allowing me to be, be a guest i really appreciate it thanks again all right so this concludes my episode with dr garwal uh, i hope you all enjoyed it Stay tuned for next week's episode where uh, we will be talking science again. We will actually be talking um, with a physicist, uh, Professor Douglas Gobale. You know, among other things, he actually was a former professor of mine at the University of Rhode Island. Stay tuned for next week's episode. We'll be talking uh, some very interesting stuff. We're going to be talking about um, something that many of you may not be aware of. Um, a phenomenon that uh, happened back in 1859 called the Carrington event. And beyond that, we will be talking about why it is so important, even today, why it's so important, because it could happen again. And um, there's a lot that um, I think we need to know about this. And um, I think there's also a lot that we should know in terms of preparation as well. Anyway, that's it for me today. Have a great day, everyone.